Now back to On the Block with Strick and Austin on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Hey, Gang DP here back at the Ticket Studios. We've got a little audio issue uh, down at the camp, but uh, Rico and I are here. And as Rico and Austin try to figure out what maybe something came unplugged or undone along the way, not real sure what it was. We haven't touched anything along the way. Um, a couple of things in play, just so uh, as we talk about and we head into uh, old school, there are a couple of things I that, that I have in play. One... The Jordy Ball situation is interesting, intriguing, and has me curious. So I'm going to need the text line to help me understand uh, what you think is going on and why. Uh, but <laughs> I'm not real sure. Like, it's a, it's a win. It's a win. But I need for the text line to explain to me if you're making that decision. And I was trying to make it comparable. So if I said that in year number uh, year number two, year number three, that Hunter Salas won titles at Gonzaga consecutive and then decided to come back to Nebraska or to leave Gonzaga, what to take? And then you recognize point of discussion, uh, Arik Gilbert from Georgia. You win back-to-back titles, except for he transfers to Nebraska, but he's not from Nebraska. And so I was more than curious of what would be is it personal. It can't. It, it, I can't imagine that it's money. It's certainly not playing time. It's not uh, success. It is. There you go. We heard a little bit. Whatever they just did. There we go. We heard, so I can hear them in the background. Now if they know whether. Can you hear us? There we go. We hear oh, you straight. There we go. We back up and running. There hey, we go, Austin bro. Austin Norman, that's what he does. Austin Norman gets it going. He's the man of the hour, the tower of power. My guy, my partner. Way to go, Austin. Hey, you know, teamwork make the dream work. Teamwork is exactly what it is. Uh, Thanks, Rico, for talking me through it. And hey, there's only so many little switches and buttons over here. So eventually I was bound to luck into one of them. So (laughs) we did it. Um, So, yeah, today in history, the Mavs get the first uh, NBA title in franchise history. Something else um, that's been on my mind a little bit. Strick, you and DP talked a little bit about it in a crossover last week. And that came up again with uh, the Lloyds during Lloyds and Lincoln. Uh, was the concept of vision on a basketball court. My question is, how much of vision is the actual eyes 
you know, having your head up, but how much of it is film study, anticipation, knowing where and when to look? I mean, for me, I think vision is something that I spoke to the, the campers about. Vision is just basically also not only being on the court, being able to have situational awareness, time score, situation, all of that, um, but also, like I talked about, having just an imagination mm-hmm. that goes beyond just uh, what your thoughts are about the game or, or maybe going to the next level of the NBA or college. No, I, I mean, like, there's times when you're going to be able to work out or you're going to have to work out. You're not going to have somebody to play against. You're not going to have somebody to compete against. You're going to have to get out there and kind of visualize situations, what's going on, how are guys guarding you, what am I going to work on, what counters can I apply if he cuts me off here. But you've got to visualize. You've got to, you've got to actually see it as if someone is actually there, but there's no one there. So part of that is also a part of the process. Um, I think it applies across the across the, the spectrum of sports. Mm-hmm. Same thing in soccer. As you're working on footwork and different things, you've got to be working as if somebody's trying to kick the ball. You know, you might have to jump over a slide tackle. You know, those are all visualization, visualizing or having mm-hmm. vision. Same thing in football. It's visualizing blitz packages. As you're dropping back as a quarterback, it's stepping up as if somebody, the, the end is having a, a, a speed rush around the end and then sliding up and then, and then running for a dump off. It's all of these things that you're looking up and, and visualizing that are happening, that are situations. Uh, that was vision. <laughs> Big know, time. Elite I'm vision. At you and yeah. I see it Peripheral. Coming, right? It works. So, yeah, those, those, are, those are the things that I would say. The other thing, you know, I even throw baseball in there, you know, yes. for vision. I mean, yeah, you think yeah. about in the batter's box, you have, what, like a quarter of a second to figure out what the pitch is and start your swing. And so I think a lot of vision is not necessarily the eyes, but yeah. the game prep. Yes. And knowing I, the count and situation. Right. And, I, and I'll even go beyond that. One of the things about baseball that helped me in my other sports was the visualizing of situations. So meaning, it's one out, one guy on first. What happens if the ball gets through the gap? What if it's a hit hard to me? What if it's hit in the gap? What if it's hit down the line? You have to like play these different games in your head because you've got to know and if this ball goes here, I've got to go here. If it's hit in front of me, I've got a chance at him on third. If it's, if, it's, if it's hit slow, I've got to go through the cutoff. Like, you've got to kind of visualize all these situations happening at different times. If I'm a base runner, if the ball's hit in front of me, there's a pause. If not, there's a hop step with a look that, of what's going on behind me. Is he going to catch it? Is it going to get through? Do I have a chance to score? Do I need to watch? You know what I'm saying? So there's all these different games that are being applied and played in baseball as well, outside of just being at the plate. Mm-hmm. Who were some of the guys with the best vision that you guys played with? Uh, I played against uh, Pearl Washington. Ooh. But the guy who I played with. Played with? Or against, either okay. way. Either way, but yeah. Play, but mm-hmm. played with Brian Carr. Okay. He would have led the Big Eight if, you know, Coach Nee wouldn't have made him shoot the basketball more because <laughs> he could shoot. I mean, he could shoot. But he could dish the ball pretty daggone good. And he would have finished number one in the Big Eight. I think Cedric Hunter ended up finishing number one. But 
I mean, Brian Carr, I mean, we were on the same page. If there was an alley-oop to be thrown, I was like, yeah, Brian, get it right there. And no soon, man, I'll just come off that pick, and next thing you know, it was right there. And it was only one time he threw me an alley-oop, and he threw it like almost at the top of the backboard, and I'm like, man, I can't go that <laughs> I can jump a little bit, but not that much. But, yeah, Brian Carr was the best point guard I've ever played with. I would say ultimately, ultimately, I'm going to stick with the play with because I, you know, against a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot, right? Um, play with, I'll have to say Steve Nash. Just uh, a lot of people don't know that he was very skilled soccer, so he mm-hmm. has great footwork. Um, he can see things developing. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very good at that. I would say even though I played with him, he was, way, he was better after a lot better after the fact, but he still, you knew it was there. You knew he possessed it. It just was a matter of unlocking it. And uh, once it was unlocked, you know, you got a chance to see it at its best when he was with the Suns and the work that he was able to do and the elevation that he did with Stottlemyre. Yeah. Like, yeah. Stottlemyre is not an all-star without Steve Nash. Yeah. He's not even on the level. We without, saw that in New York. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. When you watch I would say against, too, Mark Jackson. Okay. Mark Jackson. Okay. Was, yeah, he was like that. He was next level. When you watch basketball today, modern NBA, modern college basketball, anyone that sticks out that you're like, okay, yeah, that guy, that guy sees it all. That guy knows what's going on. Um, I believe it or not, even because of the situation, nice move, young fella. Um, I hate to, you know, because he just hasn't been available. But Chris Paul is is really like that. Like he's he's one of those type of guys that has that kind of vision. Mm-hmm. You know, he sees things uh, just injury-wise and just not being available is another thing. But CP3 was at his peak, yeah. especially New Orleans Pelicans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And un- another underrated aspect of vision, I think, is defensively. Because I'm going to throw Draymond Green and Rudy Gobert into that conversation. Even, even Brooke Smart. Lopez, Marcus Smart. Yeah. You know, because, again, it's, it's reading, it's anticipating, it's seeing what the action is. I mean, Draymond is one of the smartest players of at least, you know, the last decade or so. But, I mean, he's, what, a 6'6 guy playing center? You can't get away with that in the NBA unless you have that, that vision. And then to be able to communicate it like he does. How much of vision, then, is not keeping it to yourself but communicating with your teammates? Kind of like what you're saying, your connection with Brian Carr. You know, how much of vision is seeing it for yourself but then passing that message on? Oh, it's, it's very big. Watching Draymond Green, it's not only that he has that vision, but he has that work ethic. And that what helps him out even tremendously because it's like if you take and you put forth that effort to fight every night to not let guys get to where they want to get, it makes it hard for them. And, you know, and it exerts more energy for an offensive player than it does a defensive player because on defense you can kind of relax if you're a good defensive player and you know what you're doing. If you don't know what you're doing, then you're going to get beat. And so with him, he knows what, he knows what he's doing. And, you know, and it's like the smartness that he has – that he kind of displays and all of a sudden his teammates pick up on it. So then they start to connect in kind of ways. It's like, okay, if I go here, you go there. And then it becomes a thing after five, six, seven, eight games, when you got an 82-game season, everybody started to get on the same page. And then when you start to get on the same page, I mean, what happened? They won championships. That's what you're seeing with Denver right now. Uh, Denver understands that they have um, – uh, if, if you're familiar, there was a show yeah, out – 
that you might hear every now and then called the weakest link. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. <laughs> um, they they have a weak link in on the defensive side of things, and that is one of the better players in the league, is Nikola Jokic, right? So they've devised a way to hide, minimize, and help, and that goes with collective vision mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. moving on on like a string. Like you talk about some of the best cohesion on rotations, moving on a string, re uh, helping recovers, all of that. It's like they know where you, you seldom, rarely see breakdowns on their defense where they just were two guys going to the same place. That's, that's that communication mm -hmm. part. So, so you're seeing it actively working uh, with the Denver Nuggets. Who's the biggest key to Denver's defense? Ooh, I, I, you know, he, he, I, 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 I want to say the biggest key is the ability to for anybody to unlock it. Mm. You feeling me? Okay. Go, follow me now. You look at one game, you would think it would be, you know, uh, KCP, right? But then it's Christian Braun. Then it might be Brown. Mm-hmm. Aaron Gordon. It might be Aaron Gordon. So it's not necessarily a piece. It's whoever in this instance, this game, when it's needed, that can unlock it to, mm -hmm. to make it all form like Voltron <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and connect, you know, and become one unit. You guys are familiar. Mm -hmm. All you old school folks, you know what Voltron is. It's five lions. <laughs> they all connect to form a big monster. When they get beat, now, it don't usually form <laughs> until they get they get towed up individually, right? And then they say, well, shoot, let's, it's time to form Voltron. That's what Denver sometimes finds themselves doing. It's whenever that key linchpin is mm -hmm. to make it all go. Uh, again, Strick, we've had this conversation a little bit. It, it seems harder to scheme against a team defense like that rather than, like, a Boston where you know it's Marcus Smart. Or, I mean, even Milwaukee had good defensive pieces. I mean, Drew Holiday on the ball, Brooke Lopez at the rim, and Giannis roaming. But if you have one lockdown defender, I feel like it's easy enough to take him out of the play, right? Sit your guy at half court, sit him in the corner, take him out of it. But if everyone's bought in and you can't say we're going to pick on this guy because we know his teammates are going to help him up, how much harder is that to scheme against offensively? It is. It, it, it's very hard because you just only thing you know is it's going to move in syncopation just like synchronized swimming mm -hmm. you just know it's going to be syncopated it's not it, it's it's not any specific thing even when they try to get the switches it's still syncopated on how they're going to help and how they're going to recover or are they going to x and it's like they know what's going on so regardless you're going to end up in most cases with a tough shot it's just a matter of are you hitting the night or are you not is that the goal of defense in the nba now just make a tough shot. I feel like, you know, watching back in the day, defense is actually, hey, I'm going to stop you. Hey, I'm going to lock you up. I'm going to take the ball from you. Now it feels like there's a lot of concession from defenses where, well, I can't do anything about it, so we're just going to try to make you take the toughest shot. Well, I sit back and I watch that, and it's the ball handling is a lot different mm -hmm. than what it was back in the day. And, you know, and it's like as far as skill work, you know, these guys do a lot of ball dribbling and this and that crossover behind the back between the legs, do that five, six, seven times till you get tired of playing defense, mm. and then all of a sudden you go by the guy. 
But, you know, and like you said, Mike, watching that, defensively, if you take put the best player on the best player on the other team, that's where it all goes. You know, and it's like, okay, you slow this guy down, but somebody else has to pick up the slack. And on defense, if you don't have that other person on all, I mean, offense, that other person to pick up the slack, then you're going to have problems. And, you know, looking at Boston, I mean, with Marcus Smart, and then all of a sudden you have those guys in the background who try to cover their man or are on their man, but all of a sudden it's like a help side defense. That helps out a lot. And being, um, being one of those guys who took the best man on the other team, no matter who, how tall they were or big they were, you know, it was a challenge to step up to. And if you have that challenge, you have that capability of doing it, then you can slow the guy down. You're not going to stop him. Mm-hmm. The only thing you can do is just slow him down. And then, you know, it's like, hey, just hope everybody else don't get involved. <laughs> We're out here at uh, Lincoln Northwest High School. we got one more segment of On the Block coming up next. Austin Norman, Bernard Day, Eric Strickland with you out here. Been a blast. We'll wrap things up uh, for the day. At least from here, DP standing by for old school. Turn it over to him. Uh, but we still got one more segment of On the Block. Don't go anywhere. Back in a sec. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.